0: Hello, I'm Professor Benjamin Kozlowski, and welcome to Philosophy and the Meaning of Life. Um, This is Sussex County Community College's sort of introductory course to philosophy, and in fact I teach it just like I teach an introductory course over at Bergen Community College or uh county college of morris or basically wherever i'm tapped to teach philosophy classes um so if you know nothing about philosophy congratulations you are in the right place unless you don't want to know anything about philosophy in case in which case this semester will likely be a lot of trouble for you um but at any rate i do recommend philosophy it is an interesting discipline it will help you to think better about your world um I find the subject matter and the the sort of conversations that we have in this class, both with each other and with the various thinkers that we're going to engage with over the course of the semester, to be really interesting and fascinating and even really productive. Um, there's sort of a lasting joke on the internet about philosophy majors and philosophy professors being virtually unemployable that the discipline of philosophy is basically a joke that you know has literally no um, pragmatic value and while there I definitely don't want to sort of like dismiss the concerns there like as a philosophy major I am not making a whole heck of a lot of money teaching these classes for sure um but at the same time i find that it is eminently practical like the great thing about philosophy is that it gives us an opportunity to talk about the sort of deep-seated meaningful questions that otherwise we don't usually get a chance to talk about in everyday life Um, questions like is there a god questions like do we have free will questions like what is the meaning of human existence what purpose is there to our lives Um, Questions like, how should we go about thinking? What is truth? Um, These are really important questions, and I think that they're questions that we don't really think about enough in modern society. There are a lot of people who are walking around kind of half-cocked, having only a pretty vague idea of how the world works or what they're supposed to be doing in it. And those sort of half-cocked ideas translate into half-cocked convictions, which can then translate into violence and cruelty and just... Plain meanness in some cases. Um, looking around at the world in 2021, like, it's a freaking mess. Don't know if you noticed. Um, but the very fact that we can't even have classes face-to-face is at least partially because of systemic failures on a level that would re- require serious philosophical sort of introspection. Um, we as people, as well as we as a culture need to take a long, hard look at ourselves and figure out what the hell it is we think we're doing. Um, and we're going to talk about some of that, um, which we will discuss in greater detail as we go forward. Um, The way we're going to discuss that is rather formally. Like, I suspect that our conferences and our actual conversations person-to-person will get fairly informal, and we will talk about some of these things. Uh, But the way that we're going to approach it is by reading the thoughts of great thinkers from the past. Um, some of these thinkers are as old as 2,000 years ago in ancient Greece. Some of them are as more modern and familiar as French thinkers from the last hundred years. Um, but for the most part, we're going to look at these well re Well-regarded and sort of well-researched, well-received philosophical giants um, examine their work and use that as a platform for talking about these big ideas, these big concepts, these things that sort of define what we believe about the world and about how we're supposed to sort of interact with it. Um so let's jump into the more practical side of that. Um if you aren't already, you should probably open up the syllabus. Um, If you are navigating around Canvas, you will find that the modules page is full of important and valuable information organized chronologically according to the development of the class. You can find the syllabus there at the very top of the page where it says, shockingly, syllabus, and where you can also probably find this lecture. Um, You can also find it on the menu where it says syllabus. Um, Feel free to check it out at any point. Um, It is also a constant online joke that most of the answers to student questions can be found in the syllabus. That's because we professors work really hard to prepare these syllabi, um, but it's also like the only really formal thing we are responsible for most of the time. So basically everything you need to know about the class is in the syllabus because we have to show our department chairs exactly what's in the class by giving them the syllabus. Um, so open up the syllabus and I will walk you through it point by point. Um, I suspect a lot of this we will either go over or have gone over in the introductory sort of conversation um, in the coming week or so. Um, so if this is familiar or if the conversation in a week it sounds really familiar, don't panic. This is worth going over a couple times. Um, because again, these are sort of the rules for how to do this class. Um, when in doubt, you should know these pretty well, just so we have a decent framework for understanding how this is going to work. uh, Between you, the student, and me, the professor, and so on and so forth. So first and foremost, you will see all of the relevant information at the top of the page. I'm Professor Benjamin Kozlowski. You can reach me at bkozlowski at sussex.edu. That is my email address for this class. Um, This is the spring 2021 semester. We meet either at 925 to 1040 or 1050 to 1205, depending on which class you are. Um, We will be meeting from January 25th to May 15th, etc., 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 etc. But let's jump to the stuff that's a little bit more pressing on our account. Let's talk about the textbook. Um so we don't officially have a textbook in this class. Like depending on who you ask you will get different answers as far as that's concerned. Um, I recommend that you get the textbook because it will make your life a lot easier. Um, But the fact of the matter is, every single reading for this class can be found online for free, no additional expense required. Um, And you are more than welcome to use those online resources instead of the textbook if you are suffering financial hardship or just don't want another book in your library, which I can understand seeing as my shelves are already full to bursting. The textbook that I do recommend that you get is The Classics of Western Philosophy 8th Edition by Stephen M. Kahn, dating back to 2012. Um, You can find it on Amazon. I suspect you can get it through the school store. Um, Not entirely sure about that. Uh, Ever since the school store changed, I feel like it and I are not having proper communication for whatever reason at any rate i do recommend you get the book it is fairly cheap like you can buy it on amazon for like 50 bucks or rent it for 20 it's really you know it's cheap paper and there's a lot of good stuff in it um what's more the two major advantages you'll get by actually buying the textbook instead of relying on the online resources i've provided is first i will be using the textbook so i'll be you know referring to page numbers throughout the lectures and it will be way easier for you to follow along with those lectures and those references if you can in fact look at the same page number as I'm looking at. Um, So that's one reason to get the book. The second reason is a little bit more abstruse. a lot of the texts we're going to be reading in this class are actually translated. Um, Most of the really super important philosophers didn't speak English. We do have one exception. We will be reading one English-speaking philosopher in the original English. Um, But everybody else is speaking either French or Latin or Greek or God knows in some cases. Um, And those translations can get rough when you are finding the free versions online. Um, so if you are reading, you know, Ben Jowett's translation of Plato on Project Gutenberg, it will be really antiquated language and it will not match up necessarily with the words and the language that I'm using when I'm talking about it in class because I'm using GMA Group's translation from the textbook. As a result, it will be less of a headache if you just get the book. Um... And I want to stress this, like here at the outset, um, these are going to be some pretty hard freaking readings. Um, Like, unless you decide to go and become an English major studying, you know, freaking Joyce or something equally difficult like Samuel Beckett, um, or if you do, in fact, go into philosophy and end up reading Kant at some point, this will probably be some of the most difficult reading you will encounter over the course of your college career. Um, Like, I don't say that to terrify you, although perhaps it does, um, but mostly to warn you. These are some dense texts. Um, they're going to get really nitty gritty about some really abstract stuff. Um, philosophy is not a discipline for the faint of heart reader. Um, and as a result, I strongly encourage you to take every single advantage you can find um, while reading through these texts. Um, first off, if you don't understand them, don't panic. Nobody does in many cases. Like. People can study, you know, Sartre or Plato or Aquinas for decades and still disagree about what he means in certain passages. Like, that's just a part of the way that this discipline works. Um, So if you're reading through Aquinas' Summa Theologica for the first time and you're like, this doesn't make any freaking sense, you are not alone. Um, And we will talk about it and we will figure things out. But there are a couple things I recommend as a consequence. First, again, get the book. It will make your life easier insofar as it will make the translations easier. Second, read everything multiple times. Um, One of the strategies I employed in designing this class was these are going to be very short readings, but I'm going to expect you to know them very intimately, And the single best way to figure that out is to read everything twice or even three times if you can afford it. Um, And when I say that these are short readings, like, we're going to be reading maybe 10 to 15 pages at most um, in our textbook at a time. Like, I think the longest reading we have is something like 16 or 17 pages. It's never going to be more than that. I'm never going to, you know, do the English teacher thing of, like, assigning 100 pages at a time. But, and here's the downside, you're also not going to be able to read these texts as quickly as you would be able to read, like, an English assignment. Um, Philosophy texts, in general, there are exceptions, and in fact we will read two notable exceptions in this class. Philosophy texts do not have characters, they do not have plot, they do not have, you know, like, notable events, um, interactions with, you know clear moral signification instead we're talking about ideas you know Descartes gonna spend the entirety of the meditations talking about whether or not he can doubt his senses which is a fairly difficult thing to talk about Um, there are important turns in the argument there are important like shock twists in a certain way that I would like to highlight. Um, there are really important details that are sort of buried in paragraphs of seemingly unimportant text. Um, things will seem to be repeated over and over again when actually he is making a new point every time. Um, This is the weird complexity of philosophy. It's like all the disadvantages of reading an essay, along with all the disadvantages of reading, like, dense, detailed prose in a novel. Um, So, as a consequence, again, shorter passages, but you'll probably want to read them multiple times so you properly understand them, properly remember all of the key details. Um... The third thing I recommend that you do is find other stuff. Um, like if you were reading, you know, Plato's *Euthyphro* for the third time and you were still not making heads or tails out of any of it, do not be afraid to just go online and look it up. Um, I know there are tons of professors out there who are like, "Do not use Wikipedia. Do not use Spark Notes. Do not, etc., etc., etc." I am not that professor. Um, I know these texts are difficult. I know you're not going to understand them at first blush. Um, If you do, good for you. If not, that's not a fault with you. Like, go find other people who have talked about this stuff. Go find other resources. Um, I will recommend some if you want to hear about it. Just, you know, drop me an email or something. Um, I found some pretty good stuff over the years. But the internet is full of awesome resources for understanding philosophy and it is changing way too fast for me to be able to keep up with it. Um, so go find stuff. you know go look at crash courses. Uh, whole series on philosophy. Um, go find, you know, Harvard philosophy professors who, for some reason, have like open source videos and lectures online. Um, go use the resources from Wisecrack or from um, Wireless Philosophy, which I'll be including some of them in this class. Go use the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, which is a fantastic resource that I use all the time when I encounter something in philosophy that I don't know. It's like Wikipedia written by philosophers for philosophers Um, it's great can't recommend it enough Um, all that to say you know don't be ashamed if you don't understand it at the first go Um, and honestly what I would recommend is if you don't understand what you're reading keep going like don't stop and reread the same paragraph over and over and over and over again until you get a headache read to the end of the passage and then try to get it again Like, read all of the readings, see where the philosopher is going, see the ultimate point that they're making, and then you can go back and recontextualize what you didn't understand in terms of what you now understand the direction to be. Use Sparknotes, use all those sources, great. Whatever helps you understand this stuff, go ahead and use it. But then when you go and do the assignments, make sure I know what resources you are using, because then we get into plagiarism territory which we'll come back to momentarily. Um... Returning to the syllabus, if we skip ahead a little bit, you'll see prerequisites and topics to be included, and course competencies and learning outcomes and all that sort of fun and exciting stuff that has no relevance to you because it is all just me making sure that like my supervisor and their supervisors and the general education requirements are all met. So we'll disregard those for now. Like we will do them, but you won't know we're doing them in most cases, in all likelihood. Um instead let's skip ahead to the next major practical section Conduct. Conduct is an important thing for us to talk about. Um, last semester kind of broke me as far as, you know, professor student relationships went. There was a lot of bad conduct in one respect or another. A lot of exceptional circumstances. And to some degree, I anticipated that. Like, welcome to the age of COVID. Nothing is predictable. Nothing makes sense. Everyone is stressed and panicking and out of their minds with worry. And for fairly good reasons. You know, the whole economic and, you know, political situation is a giant clusterfuck. Um... We are all dying of this disease now and there is a sizable portion of our public who doesn't seem to think that this is a big deal. Um, It's tough to figure this out. I do not deny that in the slightest. But if anything, that just makes it all the more important that we have to kind of behave ourselves. Like as counterintuitive as that is, that's kind of the way it goes. Um, You know, you make a civilized society by everybody, you know, pulling their weight. And when things are crazy and awful, everyone Mm -hmm. has to pull their weight a little more. Um, So that's kind of what we're going to have to do in this situation as well. So let's go over the, the key points here as far as conduct is concerned. Um, The first one is a bit antiquated, seeing as we have relocated online. Um, Cell phones should be turned off and ignored throughout class. Laptops should be employed only for the purposes of consulting course materials, research, note-taking, etc. Obviously, this doesn't happen to be a as big a deal now that we are all online Um, in all likelihood most of the time that we are in this class you won't even have your mics on so i won't know if you're taking a call or you know consulting a text message or you know looking at porn in the other window like this is all information that i don't want to and don't need to know Um, but let me stress this if you want to succeed in this class you're going to have to keep the distractions to a minimum Um, our conversations during the conferences are going to be pretty precious. Like, we're not going to get a lot of them, um, and we're going to have to make every minute count. Um, That doesn't mean that I'm going to end up, you know, not flying off the handle on distractions about video games that I'm playing, or, you know, going on giant rabbit trails about various things only tangentially related to what we're talking about in class. Um, But it does mean that you should be attentive to that stuff. Like, as... Many times as I'm going to go off and talk about, you know how like Wonder Woman was a really secretly great movie philosophically, um, we are also going to have conversations where I'm going to be answering serious detailed questions about these philosophical writers that, if you miss it, might make or break you as far as like your grade down the line. Um, what's more, if you get into the habit of kind of disregarding me, of being distracted, of you know, playing a game in, the, in another window or whatever, you're probably going to miss some of the important things that I'm going to be banging on about in this class. You're not going to get the sort of full context of what I'm trying to say. Um, and I know it's going to be difficult at times. Like... Trust me, I'm pretty sure that, like, half of the conferences that I had with students last semester, only, like, three or four of them were paying attention at any given time. Again, this is the sort of thing that breaks your professor at the end of the day. Um, But at the same time, you know, then they took the final and a bunch of people failed. Then they did the research paper and people were making sort of obvious logical mistakes, um, they were not recognizing, you know, some of the things that we talked about in class that I discussed in the lectures. Um, as much as it is going to be tempting to completely tune out, as much as there are going to be a thousand things vying for your attention at the time that you're listening to the lectures or participating in the conferences, you gotta tune it out or it, there will be consequences. Like, they're not hard consequences, they're not going to be immediately obvious, But we should all have learned a lesson about how not all hard consequences are immediately obvious in the moment when you were making the choice. Um, As much as possible, tune in and pay attention. And definitely do not become a distraction for the other students. Like, the last thing you want is, you know, to be that guy who always forgets to turn off the microphone and therefore, you know, there are dogs barking and people screaming and babies crying and car alarms going off in the background of whatever it is you're doing. Um... People will present you for that. Um, I will try and keep my background noise to a minimum, although it's inevitable that some idiot is going to try and jumpstart their car in my parking lot while I am conducting a con- conference or a lecture, but we'll do the best that we can. Um, I at least have the advantage of not being involved in the complex social systems that are, you know, inv- involving students at this point in time. Like, I can get along with my life if you guys all hate me, um, but whether or not you can do that as a student is another matter. Um, but I'm already getting off topic. So let's move to the next one. Late assignments will automatically be penalized, minus 20 points, without prior consultation with the professor. That is, before the assigned due date. Makeup work will be accepted or not accepted at the professor's discretion. This is kind of bullshit. Um, I'm just going to say it right now. This is as close to a bald faced lie as you will find on this syllabus. Um, I am typically really charitable about late assignments, especially in the age of COVID. Um, if you ask me for an extension, I am very likely to say yes and to give you as much time as you need to turn in the best work that you possibly can. Um, I want to see your best work. I want to grade your best work. I want to give you the best grade I can afford to give you. Um, and as a result, I'm willing to play pretty fast and loose with my deadlines. Um, but... One of the reasons why I include this in my syllabus all the same is because some people will absolutely mess with that. Um, It is one thing to, you know, turn in an assignment like five minutes after the deadline and I will give you full credit for the grade. It's another thing to turn it in three weeks late and be like, oh, I didn't know when the deadline was. At which point, yes, I'm totally going to penalize you and I don't expect much resistance about that. Um... But here's sort of the rule of thumb when trying when I try and figure out like what I should be penalizing as far as late assignments are concerned. Um, if you turn in, you know, if you realize that you are going to turn in the most important assignment in this class late. And you email me like an hour before it's due and say, professor, I have been working on this assignment, I am so close to finishing, um, but it's probably not going to be in by the deadline. Can you give me an extra couple hours, a couple, an extra day, even more time if necessary, if you know something crazy is going on. Like if you know suddenly you had to go to a funeral or suddenly everybody in your house is sick or there was a snowstorm and now you have no power and it's going to be another week before it gets back up. Like, if you send me an email, if you shoot me some kind of message to say professor i'm going to need a little more time on this one can you give it to me my response will be why yes poor unfortunate student Um, i will absolutely give you the time that you need however if you send me that same email an hour after the assignment is due i am going to be a lot less sympathetic I will say things like, why didn't you contact me beforehand? You knew this assignment was coming months ago. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you let me know that you were having problems? Um, and again, I'll be sympathetic if it's something that you can couldn't anticipate. Like, if you got into a car accident and you were in the hospital the day that the assignment was due, I'm not going to take points off. Um... But if, you know, it was something you anticipated, it was something you saw coming, and you just didn't bother to tell me, that's a problem, and I'm going to take some points off. Um, What's more, as we get closer to, like, end-of-semester stuff, I will get harder about this, because I can't afford to let you, you know, take lots of time to turn in your assignments. Um, When it comes to the final exams, the due dates are the due dates, and if I receive it afterwards, I'm not going to accept it at all. Um, but we'll get to that when we get to that. The basic rule of thumb about attendance, about assignments, any situation that you find yourself in that is outside the norm that could potentially be problematic um, as far as your ability to, to do work on time uh, in the right way in this class, if you talk to me about it beforehand, I will listen and I will help. And um, Keep an open channel of communication with me. This is one of the constant themes of trying to succeed in an online class. Like, talk to me. Um, I do not bite, I promise. Um, Or at least I haven't yet. I certainly haven't figured out how to do it online. Um, I may be extremely socially awkward, even paralyzingly so in some cases, but that's just because I'm a hardcore introvert and social situations are really weird to me. Um, But that's not something that should dissuade you from contacting me. Um, Like, I take that seriously. I factor that into things like your class participation grade. Um, I want to know what's going on. Like, the nightmare scenario for me as your professor is that I have a student who is dead silent and I have no idea what's happening and they are just like coming to the conferences but not saying anything turning in the assignments maybe on time maybe not but they, I have like no frame of reference for why this is happening. If you were just an enigma to me if you were just a giant question mark sitting next to your name in my class I have no idea what to do about that how to grade in this situation. Um, In some cases, I won't receive any assignments whatsoever, and I'm just left scratching my head. Like, did somebody forget that they had the class? Or are they suffering from technical problems? I have no idea. Um, I don't know whether I can help or not. Um, And if I send an email and I get no response, what does that mean? Like, I am just sitting there trying to guess at what's going on. Um, The best way to solve that is, you know, just send me an email. Like. Do it anyway. Send me an email by way of introduction. Tell me who you are. Say, you know, here are some of the things that I like to read or like to write or like to watch on TV or this is what I've been Netflixing lately. You know, make that connection. Um, I might not respond in a timely fashion, but at the very least, I am noticing that you're trying to keep contact with me. I'm noticing that you are engaged with me and with the class. Um, I know that you care, in short. Um, so if you have problems completing assignments on time, send me an email. Say, hey, I'm not going to be able to do this, and I will give you the extension you need. Um, if you are not going to make it to a conference for whatever reason, send me an email. Say, hey, I'm not going to make it. This is why. Um, I wish I could be there, or heck, I wish, I'm glad that I can't show up. Your lectures stress me out. Um, that's fine, as long as I know that I can maybe do something about it. Um... So again, the sort of rule here is I am willing to make as many exceptions as you need so long as you are upfront with me and as you are and as long as you are you know open and making that effort to communicate. Um, the one exception to this is plagiarism. Um, when I say that I was broken a little bit last semester. It was largely because I had a lot of plagiarism to contend with. Um, this is apparently not a unique phenomenon. Like I heard that apparently West Point's graduating class, like a full third of their their you know freshman equivalents, like got failed out of their first semester because of plagiarism. Apparently, moving online has given students just like this idea that they have a free pass to cheat on any assignment they can um i don't know what that looks like on your end like i've never had that problem but you know i also went to college like 10 years ago in you know the 2000s when everything was sunshine and daffodils um sort of um at any rate, let me stress here at the outset, don't plagiarize. I do not tolerate plagiarism like nobody does. I have never heard of a professor or a department or an academic institution of any kind who has anything less than a zero tolerance policy on plagiarism. Um, in my class, if you plagiarize an assignment, any assignment from the you know really wimpy re- response papers to the extremely important research paper to the final exam, you will just get a zero. Like, no question, no negotiation, no, but professor, I didn't, nope, don't care, don't want to hear it, zero. Um, So don't plagiarize. Um, We will come back to this. Um, The next issue I want to talk about is another one of those that is fairly likely to break your professor and that was very stressful, especially last semester, for reasons that should be very obvious. Um, Students should conduct themselves professionally and should preserve the classroom setting as a place for free intellectual discourse. I imagine that most of the syllabi you're looking at at this point have some kind of clause like this hanging around in there somewhere. Unless they're like super duper, you know, dry like a math class or possibly one of the hard sciences. Um... Philosophy definitely isn't open to ignoring this issue. We're going to talk about a lot of hard things in here. We're going to be talking about God and whether or not you believe in him. We're going to talk about free will and whether or not we have it. We are going to talk about things like personhood, what is a person, what constitutes a person. Um, And these have some pretty serious both political and ethical repercussions. Like heck, ethics is one of our disciplines, it's something we're going to be talking about in here. Um, And if this doesn't quite make sense to you, let's make this even more sort of concrete. Most of the things that people get really upset about, like politics, like religion, those things are rooted one way or the other in philosophy. You know, I said we are going to be talking about what a person is. Well, that's kind of crucial to the abortion discussion. If a fetus is a person, then killing a fetus could be construed as murder. If a fetus is not a person, then killing it might not be construed as murder. The pro-life and pro-choice debate largely circulates around this question, is a fetus a person? And what is, therefore, a person? And that's something we're going to be talking about in here. So we are opening ourselves up to some pretty heavy, pretty controversial, pretty deep, and possibly offensive discussions. Um, And in order to be able to talk about this stuff, we need to basically trust each other. You know, more than just you know, like, decent human beings behavior, but we're going to have to be willing to open ourselves up to criticism and to potential controversy. And I realize that you're probably not used to doing that these days. Like, I had a long conversation with one of my classes last semester about the election, um, basically just trying to get where they were at. And they explained to me that, you know, as people growing up in the 2010s Um, As, you know, people who were high schoolers in, like, 2014 when Gamergate was happening, high schoolers who were growing into their own during the election of 2016, when, like, everybody was so pissed off all of the time, they learned as a defense mechanism just not to talk about politics. And I can totally understand that. People have gotten really, really passionate about politics in the last decade, more so than I would have anticipated you know, being a child of the 90s when everybody was just sort of like grumpy or not grumpy about Bill Clinton and his possible sexual scandals. Like that was real small potatoes compared to like, is our current president destroying our democracy? Which is the sort of question you see repeated on, you know, Facebook posts and forums and news articles all the time now. Um, That's some pretty heady stuff. Um... And in order to be able to talk, even tangentially, about this stuff, which we have to do, we're going to have to be pretty decent to each other and to sort of make a clear separation between who we are and what we believe. And that separation is kind of also bullshit. Like, there's not a whole lot of distance between who you are and what you believe, Um, But at the same time, there's enough distance that hopefully we can distance ourselves from it and be able to talk about this in a way that presents ourselves and our ideas as either neutral in our opinions or as something that we are at least willing to engage, discuss, and confront. Like that's what philosophy really is at the end of the day. It is very much sort of confronting and reevaluating the things that we hold dear And even getting to the point that we can articulate them if we haven't even thought about these things. Um, Like to give you an example, you know, in addition to that whole abortion conversation, if you believe in God or not probably has some pretty major sort of influences on what you believe about the world in general. If you believe in a god, then you believe that you are accountable to that god. You believe that it is your job to make the world more in line with what that god wants, which means you're going to behave in a way that your god expects. And what's more, you're going to get upset with people who don't, or who prevent you from doing that. Likewise, if you don't believe in a god, you don't want people telling you what to do, because you don't think that there is some ultimate moral arbiter looking over your shoulder. Um, and you will resent it when people are, you know, taking away from your good time in order to tell you that that's right or that's wrong. This will devolve into some pretty heavy-duty mudslinging at the end of the day. You can't tell me what to do. No, I have to tell you what to do. Your salvation is on the line. Um, these are deep-seated personal questions. These are deep-seated personal, personal issues. Um, and the way that we need to talk about them in here is as this more impersonal idea and subject matter. Um, And I realize that on the internet, there's like really ill-defined boundaries as far as that's concerned. Like when you have the advantage of anonymity in a 4chan forum or something, you can say whatever the hell it is you want and not be held accountable for it. Um, But in this classroom, I know your name. And when you say something, I will know that you said it. And I will, you know, take it seriously as reflecting on you. And so will the other students. You know, we will come to know who are the atheists in the class, who are, you know, the Christians in the class. That usually comes out. It's pretty difficult to keep private. Um, So as a consequence, we can't get mad at people for what it is they believe. Like the great American project on some level is pluralism um freedom of speech freedom of church and state like we do not need to believe xyz instead we are free to believe whatever we darn well please and recognize there is a fundamental human decency to people no matter what it is that they believe um i can still do business with you i can still teach you as your professor i can still you know shake hands with you on a non-covid day in a grocery store um if we all respect each other on some level, regardless of what it is I believe and you believe and the other students believe and so on and so forth. Um, So the key here is never to make it personal. Don't make it personal as an accusation and don't make it personal yourself. If someone says, you know, I do not believe in God because X, Y, Z, because this argument, that argument, and this other argument, This is not an equivalent to you are stupid for believing in God. So therefore, you should not take it as it is stupid to believe in God, nor should you go so far as to say it is stupid to believe in God, and you are stupid for believing it. You can absolutely present arguments, and I want you to, Like, I realize that in your English classes there have been tons of teachers who have sort of told you, you know, everyone is right, everyone has their own opinion and they're all valuable and they're all valid. That's nonsense. Um, Some people are gonna be right and some people are gonna be wrong and in some cases we're not gonna be able to know the difference and in some cases we are gonna be able to know the difference. Um, If we have 30 students in the class and you say that there's instead only 15, you are wrong. Like, that is bad information, that is not factual. That's not something that we can evaluate. In many of these questions, like is there a God, the fact of the matter is somebody's right and somebody's wrong. Like you can't have both, you know, God existing and not existing. This is not a Schrodinger's cat situation. You can't have Schrodinger's God. Um, Either God exists or he doesn't. If he does exist, then a whole bunch of people are wrong and they're probably going to suffer some major consequences for it. If God doesn't exist, then there are still a whole bunch of people who are wrong, and they've been living their lives in a way that doesn't make any sense, accordingly. Um, That is difficult to deal with, I recognize. The possibility of being wrong and therefore shaping your entire life around a falsehood is a scary one. But it's also something that we as philosophers have to confront and possibly deal with. If we are going to change, if we are going to become better people that means that we're going to have to be open to reevaluating our opinions and changing them according to new evidence that arises or to new arguments that are presented. We need to, in short, be able to step back from ourselves and say, why do I believe this? Is it right to believe this? Is it wrong to believe this? Am I doing good by believing this or am I doing harm by believing this? So in this class, I am hoping that you cultivate that distance That you find a way to step back from yourselves and take what other people have to say about opinions that you hold dear seriously enough that you are willing to reevaluate your own opinions, but not so seriously that it breaks you as a human being. Um, I do want it to get tense in here. I want serious conversations about these issues. I want us to present our arguments and present the reasons we believe what we believe, and in doing so, find the reasons that we believe what we believe. I want this to be an opportunity for you to understand yourself more than you ever have before. But I don't want that to become upset, you know, anguish, suffering. I don't want people to feel uncomfortable to the point that they cannot speak, that they cannot articulate what it is that they believe. Um, In order to have free discourse, we all need to feel safe to have free discourse. Um, So with that in mind, I do want sweat. I want it to get tense. But I don't want tears, and I don't want blood. If you go after someone in this class, I will stomp on you so hard. Because I want everyone to feel safe. And if I don't, like if I let somebody bully somebody else in this classroom, call me out on it. Like, that's my job. I should be doing it. Um, I have allowed lapses before, and while I am not proud of it, I definitely don't want it to happen again. So, you know, call me out if somebody's being a dick. Um, But likewise, don't jump to the conclusion that somebody is attacking you personally just because they're presenting a case for what they believe. Um, we can all believe different things in this classroom and talk about why we believe those different things without turning it into a personal attack. That's the line. Um, so don't take it personally if you can afford not to. And if you can't, if it's gone to the point that it has become personal, either step away because you're not able to deal with it or tell me because they're not doing it properly. Um, That there is no alternative but to take it personally. Like if somebody says you're an idiot for believing acts, that's wrong and I can't allow that. So don't let it get to that point. But give each other the benefit of the doubt insofar as you can. Trust the people around you insofar as you can. Like, I imagine that there are people in this class who believe diametrically opposite things to what you believe. Like, we live in Sussex County. I mean, I live in Morris County, but I used to live in Sussex County, and I know what it's like out there. There are some hardcore right-wingers and some people who absolutely believe that Trump is practically Messiah on Earth. Come to save us all from, you know, our Democrat-influenced, brainwashed sins. And there are people in this class who will be the children of hippies and ex-hippies who absolutely believe that Trump is a monster and practically the Antichrist and that everything that he's done since coming to office has been destructive to large groups of people. Somehow we gotta square that. And the best way to square that is for us to be able to talk civilly with each other. Um, Everyone in this classroom is eligible to vote. Like, that's the stakes here. Um, You can either just let people believe stupid things, things that are not true, um, or you can actually confront them about it. Learn to speak with them in a way that is civil and, you know, actually profitable to everyone involved. Um, You are not going to win points for sitting in a corner and not opening up to anyone. You will, however, be able to really change somebody's mind if that person is willing to change their mind and if you present your case in a way that is civil, rational, and respects them as a human being. Like, nobody was convinced out of their opinion if you just scream at them. So don't. Um, Let's give each other the benefit of the drought. Let's treat each other like human beings. Let's try and reach one another. Um, And in the process, be open to be reached. I hope that that doesn't sound too soapboxy or too abstract. I, you know, change this lecture a little bit every year to deal with the circumstances. But this is really important. Like, to me personally as your professor trying to conduct a class, but also, you know, to you. Like, this is what life is so much lacking, a sort of civility in conversation. And it is sort of my personal goal as your professor and as a you know human being exposed to other human beings to prepare you to go out in the world and have civil conversations, to better the discourse, to be able to, you know, talk to that weird uncle that you hate um, and maybe actually have a civilized conversation. You know, sometimes it's not possible. Some people are not at all open to what you have to say, for whatever reason. Um, and if that's the case, that means, one, you should be reevaluating yourself and how you are presenting what you have to say. But two, at the end of the day, sometimes you've just got to conclude, you know, it's not going to happen. Um, these, this person is not open to what I have to say. Um, and I want that to be minimized as much as possible. I want to cultivate a world where people are willing to talk to each other, where people are willing to reevaluate their own opinions and decisions, in part because I'm a philosophy major, in part because, you know, That's how you get to peaceful, happy societies, at least historically speaking and sort of in some utopian theoretical way. Um, But enough, enough soapboxing, we have other stuff that we need to talk about. The last of these points in my conduct section is pretty closely related. This is philosophy, questions and mistakes are encouraged. I realize that you are in a really unpleasant, stressful, complicated social situation right now. That like all of you are trying to be, you know, students at a community college. You've all, you're all, in all likelihood, pretty fresh off your high school career. In some cases you have, you know, like friends and family who are also, you know, teachers or students or whatever. Um, and you've got this weird balancing act that you are performing at all times. You know, on the one hand, you need to get through your classes, you can get your degrees, you can get your job, so on and so forth. But the other hand, you know, you're looking around and you're interested in one another as friends, as more than friends, as who knows. Um, And part of maintaining that whole social survival thing that you're doing is maintaining a certain character. Um, This is who I am, you are telling to everyone. And increasingly especially in like high school and college a lot of that has to do with confidence like you gotta show everyone in the class that you are you know an alpha that you are smart and capable and possibly worth sleeping with and possibly worth being friends with like looking like an idiot will ultimately lose you friends and contacts and, you know, all of the people you care about. Um, This is a community college I imagine most of you grew up in Sussex County. Most of you have a lot of history with either the other students or with, you know, other students back at your colleges or back at other colleges, back at all over the place. Anyway, it's super complicated and I recognize that and it is not helpful to us doing philosophy. If you come in full of swagger, convinced you're going to like blow everybody else's socks off with how smart you are, you're going to struggle in this class. Not going to deny it. Like philosophy is a discipline that you probably have virtually no experience with, which means you're going to need to learn it, which means you're going to have to admit that you don't know a damn thing about it at this point in time. Um, and as I said, these are going to be some really difficult readings. These are going to be really hard to wade through in many cases. You are probably going to struggle, possibly more than you've struggled with any other class in college thus far or in high school or elsewhere. And you got to be okay with that. Um, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to need to ask potentially stupid questions, um, or at least they will seem stupid to you. See, in my mind, anyone who is willing to ask a question already shows a rather impressive amount of both courage and self-wisdom. They know that they don't know. And we will talk about that a lot. Like, one of the cornerstone ideas in philosophy is you've got to learn to know what you don't know. So you're going to have to figure out those things. And you're only going to be able to figure that stuff stuff out by asking questions, by making mistakes, by being wrong. Um, so in this class, I strongly encourage you to be wrong. Like, do something stupid. Ask a dumb question. Um, never be afraid to come to me and, you know clarify what my requirements are for an assignment, or talk about some weird point that you didn't understand in a philosophy text. Fact of the matter is, you're not alone, ever. Like, there's always somebody else who doesn't understand what's going on. They're frequently just too shy to say it. Um, So if you say it, then you'll solve their problem as well as yours, and you will make everybody happy. Um, So do it, go look like an idiot, go be a fool, go recognize that you don't know anything. Um, because that is the first step to actually learning something. Like, you can't change unless you're willing to admit that you could be wrong. Um, you can't become a better person without acknowledging the fact that you are currently not the best person, um, that you are not perfect. So, yeah, make mistakes, ask questions, look dumb set your pride aside, like leave it at the door, because we're gonna be talking about some pretty foolish things in addition to our great wisdom, Um, and frequently they'll actually be the same thing, weirdly enough. Um, So, yeah, like, for, just make an agreement with your friends, with your loved ones, with whoever it is that you have a relationship with in this class. Make a sort of tacit acknowledgement that you're both going to look like idiots sometimes, and that's okay. Honestly, that's probably healthier for your relationships anyway. Like, we're all idiots pretty frequently. Uh, Best to admit it now than, you know, have to pretend that you're not doing something stupid later. Um, Cool! Hopefully that's cool since I'm just talking myself at this point. Anyway, that's the rough idea of the conduct section. I hope that makes sense. If you have any questions about it, feel free to message me on Canvas or email me or whatever. Um, I will be happy to clarify. Um, So next on the docket is attendance. Um, So our attendance in here is going to be rather weird, um, as is like everything that I do as a professor, it seems. Um, What I am going to do with this class rather than you know have an actual meeting every session that we are scheduled to have one like on both mondays and wednesdays um we are going to only meet like in person on canvas conferences once a week um we're only going to meet on wednesdays like there will be an exception the first week we will meet on the first monday i'm sure i'll send out announcements and clarify and you know go go into painstaking detail on how this is going to work. Um, But in general, I find it is more productive for my students and for me communicating the material um, if I balance opportunities to sort of like pick my brain and talk to each other with like actual expository dumps of me just doing lecture. Um, And there's no point to me doing lecture on, you know, the canvas conferences forum like it's all there um and there is no point in doing like twice as much question and answer because then students are ultimately like picking their brains like i don't have any questions and then we're just sitting there awkwardly staring at each other for you know long periods of time plus i am not gonna like beat around the bush i hate all of this like i hate the the zoom and the canvas conferences like, it's, it's fine, it does the job, but, you know, I would totally, like, in a moment, take an in-person class any day, so long as it was even moderately safe, which, P.S., it's not. Um, I am teaching an in-person class at Montclair this semester, and I'm actually really looking forward to it, because it simplifies my life dramatically. Um, but literally sitting at my desk, staring into my camera, like, I've gotten fairly used to it, but it still sucks. Um, and it doesn't work like nobody is paying attention as deeply as they would if they were actually physically in class like the body language is limited to whatever ever I can capture into the frame like it's just a mess and a nightmare and it's horrible and I hate it and so we're only gonna do it once a week. Um, we can absolutely meet outside of those meetings if necessary. Like, I will be holding office hours as needed. Um, so if everyone is, you know, not cool with the fact that they're only getting one meeting a week, by all means, talk to me about it. Um, if there's enough of the class who wants to go for a second meeting, then we can go for a second meeting. Um But in general, I am going to expect you to listen to a giant feed dump hour and 15 minute lecture during the usual Monday session and then meet me on Wednesday to talk things over, answer questions, clarify, all that stuff. Um, So with that in mind, since we are only meeting once a week instead of twice a week, um, attendance is going to have to be summarily draconian as a result. Um, so, since we are only meeting 15 times, if you miss one or two, that's fine, no big deal, shit happens, I am aware. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to overly penalize you in that case. Um, but, if you start missing more than two classes, I'm gonna start docking points. Um, I have a... Class participation and attendance part to the final grade. It is 10% of your final grade. Um, and the way that I measure it is like 50% of that grade, five points on your final grade, and it's literally just five points I like added at the end of the semester. Um, five points are your attendance grade, and if you have missed fewer than three classes, you'll probably get a five out of five. If you miss like three or four, you'll probably get a four out of five. If you miss five or six, maybe it'll be like a three out of five. If you miss eight, which will literally be half of the class, you lose all of those points and we have conversations about you possibly failing altogether. Um, I'm not going to be terribly keen to enforce that in the age of COVID, especially because you'll have the lectures to listen to at your discretion. Um, but at the same time, like, we got to talk about this stuff. Like, philosophy functions best when there's an open channel of communication, when we're all able to... Dialogue about this when you are able to buttress each other's knowledge by talking to each other, uh, by echoing the questions and possibly offering answers to the questions that you each have. Um, So be sure to attend our once a week Wednesday synchronous sessions. Um, Be sure to listen to the lectures on Monday, though I will not be tracking that in any way. Um, That's how you will largely succeed in this class. Uh, Moving on in the syllabus, oh look, it's the plagiarism thing again. Plagiarism will not be tolerated. Plagiarized assignments will immediately receive zero credit. That is important enough to say twice. I have a lot of students who come to me and they're like, but professor, I didn't know I was plagiarizing after they have plagiarized an assignment, um, which I am always extremely suspicious about. So I want to solve that right here, right now. Plagiarism is the use of another person's words or language as though they were your own. If you turn in somebody else's paper on Plato as though it were your paper on Plato, that's plagiarism. If you copy and paste whole swaths of SparkNotes directly into your paper, that's plagiarism. Um, I will frequently do Google searches and possibly even use Turnitin at some of my other institutions um, in order to verify whether or not a student's paper was in fact plagiarized, so there is a high chance of me catching you if you try it. Um, The three kinds of plagiarism that I run into the most are, first, word-for-word plagiarism. That is, you know, you copy a whole swath of text from Sparknotes and drop it directly into your paper. And then you don't cite it. Like, that's that's clearly plagiarism. You get a zero on the assignment, no negotiation, case closed, it just hurts your grade, that's the end. Um, but that's not the only kind of plagiarism. Like, that's obviously the most obvious kind of plagiarism, but it is not the only kind. Increasingly, I've seen students who will, like, plug in, you know, an entire swath of text from SparkNotes into, like, Grammarly or something... And then they will start modifying it, replacing words with synonyms, moving the word order around, Um, basically accepting whatever suggestions Grammarly offers to potentially doctor the assignment in such a way that it is unrecognizable when compared to the original text. And that doesn't work. Like it never works. Like I more often than not end up with these papers that look like they are word salad and it's just like doesn't make any sense and they're using the wrong terms and they're like trying to characterize you know the thinking of Descartes without ever using the word skepticism and it's just like it makes me nuts. Um, So more often than not I figure it out, track it down to the original text because it sounds like nonsense um, and I can extrapolate what it originally said Ta-da, it's plagiarism, you get a zero, non-negotiable, case closed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, The third kind of plagiarism is paraphrase. This is where you don't actually take the word-for-word argument from your source. You do not actually quote it in any way. But if, for example, you go to Sparknotes and they have this really interesting argument about how Plato is right and Euthyphro is wrong, and then you're like, wow, that's a really good argument, I should use it in my paper, and then you go ahead and you do that. Um, You don't use the same words, but you basically summarize it. Um, And I look at your paper and I'm like, wow, that was really insightful, but it also sounds really familiar. So I check Sparknotes and lo, what they have in paragraph one, you have in paragraph one. What they say in paragraph two and three, you say in paragraph two and three. The point they make tying it all together in paragraph four, you make the same point in paragraph four. And what do you know? Also plagiarism. But the key to paraphrase is that all you had to do in this situation was cite it, and it's not plagiarism anymore. Like, I'm going to dock points because it's not original, but if you just say, hey, I took a lot of my ideas from Sparknotes, and I look and I'm like, yep, a lot of those ideas are from Sparknotes, you don't get a zero, you just get a fairly bad grade. Like a C or a D. You know, you pass so don't plagiarize like whatever half-assed nonsense you turn in in this class because you didn't have time or didn't care or whatever you will still get a way better grade on it than you would if you just plagiarized it so don't plagiarize like it's stressful for me it's stressful for you i end up having to talk to my department chair it's a giant freaking mess nobody likes it i will inevitably get somebody in this class who will plagiarize I think I've only had like one or two classes in my entire history as a professor in which I didn't find some student who plagiarized at some point. Um, But maybe this can be the first. Just don't do it. Like I know the temptation is going to be there. I know that there's going to be a billion other things that are more important than this class. That's cool. Tell me about it. I will make accommodations. But I will not accommodate you cheating. Presenting somebody else's work as your own. Now if you're not clear on what plagiarism is... Ask me about it again. Open channels of communication are super important here. Like if you took all those classes in high school about writing papers, and ultimately whatever for whatever reason, either a terrible teacher or the fact that you were you know not paying attention or whatever, um, if you didn't get the what is plagiarism, what is not plagiarism discussion like firmly beaten into you. Talk to me about it, ask me questions. Say, Professor, is this plagiarism? Is that plagiarism? What about this scenario? And I will answer. I will give you great painstaking detail because I do not want you to plagiarize. Um, As a general rule of thumb, if you will have any doubt about whether you should cite your sources, cite your sources, like if you used even, like if you even referenced SparkNotes and trying to understand the material long before you ever sat down to to write the response paper, just maybe drop a comment. Say, Professor, I was consulting SparkNotes or I was consulting Crash Course or I was consulting whatever when I was writing this paper. And I'll be like, oh, okay, and I won't take it amiss if I see a couple of ideas floating around. I have been asked, have I ever accused a student of plagiarism when it wasn't the case? Yes, I have. Um, I double checked and I was like, oops, I made a mistake and I fixed it. But in general, that was like once out of like dozens of times that it has happened. It does not happen often. And even in those situations, I usually am not entirely sure one way or the other if I made the right call letting it go. In general, I will err on the side of of caution. Um, Like the U.S. justice system is supposed to do, I will consider you innocent until proven guilty. Um, And as a consequence, if you are being accused of plagiarism, it means that I saw something pretty freaking damning. Um, Like, I was able to track multiple sources to their original source, Um, And I have no doubt in my mind that you were copying from this source in some capacity or another. Um, And keep in mind, like last semester, that was more than a dozen students across my two classes at Sussex County Community College, um, and a dozen more at some of the other classes, possibly even more than that. Um, It has happened fairly frequently. I don't want it to happen this semester. I do not want to lose more brain cells trying to sort and track down some student who may or may not have plagiarized. I want to trust you, in short. Um, So I would, again, rather you turn in garbage. Like, I would rather you, you know, level with me and say, Professor, you know, I am holding down a full-time job, taking three other classes, taking care of my family, and also am sick with the virus. Um, and therefore will not be actually turning in terribly good material this semester than for you to sort of fake it and just turn in a plagiarized assignment. Um, there's, I would rather give you a 40 on a paper than a 0. Um, so, you know, don't hold yourself to some perfect standard. None of us can afford it at this point in time. We are all playing catch as catch can right now, and that's okay. Um, but don't solve your problem by cheating. Um, it will go worse for you it will just be a giant mess at the end of the day never mind the morality involved Um, just from a practical consideration it will go better for you if you turn in something original than if you try and pass off somebody else's work as your own so that was grim Um, let's keep moving so there are tons of support services i list them all on the third page of the syllabus Um, note these students rights and responsibility there are tons and tons of policies most of which are in your student handbook feel free to use them Um, feel free to make reference to them it is you are kind of expected to know them anyway Um, notice the disabilities assistance program if you do need help if you do need accommodations just let me know as soon as humanly possible Um, I will happily give you more time on assignments I will happily give you extra extensions Um, I can provide you with audio books for half of the readings that are in this class no problem um, I just need to know that you need them. Um, so, you know, get in touch with the Disability Services Office. Um, have them talk to me. Give me the fancy paper, like email it to me or whatever with all of the accommodations on it. Or heck, if you are just concerned about your performance in the class, just let me know that you're concerned about, the performance, about your performance in the class. I know a couple of students who, you know, did not, Or had lots of problems, like had IEPs in high school, were trying to move away from them in college. I honestly recommend that you, like, register with the Disability Services Office. Tell them you're trying to sort of like overcome these these limitations, Um, but at the very least, let me and let them know. Um, Let us be aware and let us help you. Like, not to like give you unnecessary accommodations, but to sort of be aware that, you know, you are working through this and it might take a little bit more time that's fine. Like, I want to give as much time as I can, uh, or at least as much as I can afford, to my students. Um, But again, I, like, there's nothing I can do if I don't know. Um, So just, you know, drop me a line, let me know. As always, keep me informed. Keep an open channel of communication. Um, The fourth page is sort of my instruction manual. Since we are online, there's not a whole lot of routine that we can rely upon in this class. Like, it's really convenient when I can, like, show up in class and then look stern and be like do this by next week and you're like ah! and therefore you do the thing because you are not you know you're gonna have to be there next week and i'm going to have to give you the dark scary look if you don't turn in your assignments um that's super easy. But when it's online, it's not nearly as easy. Accountability sort of just disappears because you aren't actually interacting with me on a regular basis except through the vehicles of email and Canvas conferences. Um, So here is the rough format of what I expect from you on a week-to-week basis. First off, Don't drift away. Like this, the two things that I am most concerned about in my class this semester is one, plagiarism. We talked about that. And two, drifting away. Like a student who disengages, misses a week or two, and as a result, they just like do not know what's going on in the class at any given time. Um, When I was first taking online courses back when I was in the seminary, I practically failed my first two classes because I just had no freaking idea what I was supposed to be doing. Like, I didn't read the syllabus, and I wasn't paying attention to the deadlines, and I was just, you know, reading all the material desperately because it was way too much of it. My professors were kind of jerks. Um, But also just being disengaged. Don't let that happen to you. Check in on a week-to-week basis. Um, What I expect on that week-to-week basis is listed here. First off, read and watch the material for the week. 99% of the time that means reading something out of the textbook. You're going to read Plato, or you're going to read Descartes, or you're going to read Aquinas, or you're going to read Hume, or whatever. Um, That should be your first step. Um, Read it, even reread it if you want. Um, Like, read it twice, read it three times, as I recommend. Then, whenever you are sufficiently comfortable with the material, listen to the lecture for that week. Um, Ideally, this should be on Monday, like during our regularly scheduled class period that I am missing because I am a lazy technophobe. Um, But at some point, you should listen to that lecture, hear me through, like possibly listen to it multiple times if you've got the time to do it. Um, Again, it is a recording. Feel free to go back and forth. Um, Like, stop it, go have lunch, come back, you know, replay the last minute because it didn't make any sense. Whatever. Um, It is up to you. Um, You don't have to do it on Monday, obviously. I just recommend it because it kind of paces things nicely. What I do recommend is keep it consistent. Build your schedule around it plan every week I am going to start reading on Thursday I'm going to read it again on Saturday I'm going to listen to lecture on Monday I'm going to read it again on Tuesday and I'm going to do the assignment on Wednesday which PS is the next step attend the canvas conference on Wednesday at ten forty a.m. or nine twenty five a.m. depending on which class you are each week and before you attend that conference be sure to complete any and all assignments for that week Usually, that's either a quiz or a response paper. So you've read the material, you've listened to the lecture, you've read the material again, now do the quiz. Now write the response paper. And then on Wednesday, show up for the conference. That should be the rhythm that you fall into and get that rhythm going. It is the most powerful tool you have for beating this class. Build it into a habit because otherwise you're just going to end up rushing through it at the last minute and probably like cramming it unsuccessfully into your poor um abused brain. And again, I get that there are so many distractions. You think I don't want to be, you know, playing some more No Man's Sky or F- Immortals Phoenix Rising instead of teaching these classes. I get it. Um But in order to stay focused and to succeed in this class, you're going to have to build it into your routine. You're going to have to structure the rest of your life around it instead of the other way around. Get it to the point that it is consistent, and you will do a lot better, I promise. Um, So again, one more time, read the material, read it multiple times if you can, Uh, Listen to the lecture, preferably at the same time each week, so you're always sort of anticipating it and working toward it. Do the assignments, usually the quizzes or the response papers, and then show up for the conference. The big deal assignments, like the analysis paper, the research paper, and the final exam, which we'll talk about momentarily, those are typically due on Fridays, so it's okay to wait until after the conference, but the reading quizzes and the response papers are both due before class, so be sure that you do them before the conference. In fact, you should probably, before you get ready to attend the conference, think to yourself, wait, did I do an assignment this week? And if the answer is no, you should probably scramble to do that or at the very least check the schedule to see why there isn't one. Um, Typically anytime there's a big deal assignment like the analysis paper, the response or the research paper, I don't have a quiz or a response paper that week um, because that would just be mean. Um, But we'll come back to that as well. So that's The habit that you should get into, and you should absolutely stay on that habit as much as you possibly can. Um, If there are changes, if I can't make a conference for some reason, I will send out an announcement on Canvas, which will then email each of you individually. Um, So stay attentive to that. You know, it's COVID times, there might be a coup, like, stuff happens. Um, We need to be able to roll with the punches in order to keep this class going. Um, So if changes in my schedule or your schedule or whatever take place, I will be sure to let you know. Um, Just keep an eye on it. Like, it should definitely notify you um, if I send out an announcement changing stuff up. Um, And if you do have questions, as always, just email me. Let me know. Um, Let me clarify. You are always free to check the syllabus. You are always free to check the moz- modules page. That's where all the assignments are listed in order, reading assignments, writing assignments, everything, um, all organized so it is like categorically available according to the time, like the date that you're supposed to have it done by. It should be pretty easy to navigate, but if you have trouble, just let me know. I want to fix these problems before they become bigger problems. Um, so that said, we are already running long on this lecture. Um, let's quickly go over the grades and assignments that you are expected to complete in this class. This is the way that I will ultimately be assessing you. This is the way that your or this is what your grade will ultimately depend on. Um, So you can see the rubric there, reading quizzes are worth 10% of your final grade, reading responses are also worth 10%, the analysis paper is 15%, the research paper is a whopping 30%, and the final exam is worth a very substantial 25%, finishing up with the attendance and class participation at a mere 10%. Um, The reading quizzes are probably the ones that you're going to have first, and they are the ones that are going to come up the quickest. Um, the first of the reading quizzes will be due the Wednesday that we start Plato. doh um, They will be due before class, as I said, and therefore I will expect you to take the quiz and then show up to the conference. Um, this is going to be pretty typical every week. You will usually, more often than not, have a reading quiz. Um, they are short, 10 questions, multiple choice but they are mean. They are murderously difficult. Um, Coming up with objective questions in philosophy is actually super difficult, um, and trying to get a multiple choice question is especially difficult. Um, So as a result, I dig pretty deep into a lot of these texts, And I actually consider that to be a good thing. Um, As much as it's going to drive you nuts, because you're probably gonna get a bad grade on several of our reading quizzes over the course of the semester. Don't panic, we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, They are meant to be murderously difficult to train you to read these philosophy texts the way that I read these philosophy texts. They are meant to train you to look for the details that I look for, to see the important points being made that I see. Um, And while there's only so much that I can communicate as far as how to find those details, what to look for in the course of our conferences and, you know, other interactions, what I can do is basically slap you on the wrist every time you miss something. So that's what I'm going to do. It sucks and it's mean and I expect that it will frustrate many of you. But don't worry. I know you will anyway, but don't worry Because, first off, it's only worth 10% of your final grade, nobody has ever failed the class as a consequence of bad reading quizzes. But also, I'm dropping the two lowest grades at the end of the semester, so if you have a bad week, if you, oops, just miss one out of the blue, don't panic, that is built into the system. Um, I do not do quiz retakes, I do not like give you the opportunity to make them up, you just get a drop, no big deal. And additionally, there will be three extra credit assignments over the course of the semester. Each of which, if you complete it, you get another quiz drop. So again, even if you're bombing those quizzes—and I mean it, like bombing—I have regularly had students who will clock in at like four out of ten, five out of ten, six out of ten, possibly worse, sometimes better. Um, It's not the end of the world. Like at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure there are enough extra credit assignments and drops built into the course that you can drop like half of the reading quizzes. And every time that I drop one because of an extra credit assignment, I drop it 100% in its place, which will totally pull your grade up out of whatever gutter it's hanging out in. Um, However, again, it is the first grade you're going to receive. So if you do really poorly on those first couple Play-Doh quizzes, it's going to make your grade look like garbage. It's not a big deal. Do not panic. It doesn't mean you're failing the class. It's not even a legitimate metric for understanding where you're at. Um, It is me trying to help you to read better. Being a little mean about it, I admit, but that's the way that has frequently worked. Um, I will give you a handicap on the first one because I know that the format is occasionally difficult. Um, the 1st Plato Play-Doh quiz you get to take twice so if you don't like your grade that's fine you get another shot at it um, and most of my students ultimately will get like a nine or ten out of ten on the first one so that'll make a grade look real happy at the beginning. Um, it'll be the second one that kills it. Um, at any rate please do not Panic! Please do not come to me. Oh, I got my reading quiz grade is so bad. Am I failing this? No, you are not failing this class. Um, the reading quiz grade is probably going to be one of the lowest grades you've got in all likelihood. They are mean, nasty questions. Everybody struggles with them. The first time we take the quiz, everybody's going to come to class and be like, "Man, that was lethal." And everyone will be, el- everyone else will be like, "Wow, you too, huh?" And I'll be like, "Yeah, everyone does." Um, so no big deal if you struggle with them. Everybody struggles with them. It's not the end of the world. Um, Now, to make up for this, the second assignment that you will see most frequently, namely there will be two of them, um, are the response papers. Um, Every now and again, specifically right after we read the Tao Te Ching and right after our second, no, first Aquinas reading, um, I will ask you to complete a one-page, very modest response paper. Um, There is virtually no prompt, I'm just like, respond to this. And then it's up to you to figure out what to write. Um, That's kind of intentional, it's meant to be super open-ended, you can write about basically whatever you want in there. Um, The response paper is not meant to be like a incisive look at whether or not you understood the text, so much as an ability for me to sort of like, see how you write. Um, How are you thinking about this stuff? How are you articulating what you have to say about this stuff? Can you communicate your ideas in a way that is effective, or are you struggling with that? So the main thing I want to do with the response paper is use it as preparation for the research paper and the other big assignments coming down the pike. Um, So... You know, like back when I was a student in, at my master's program, you know, I would show up to class and the professor would be like, We have one assignment in this class, your entire grade is based on whether you or how you complete this sixteen page paper. And as you would expect, I would work my butt off on this sixteen page paper. I would perfect it. I would turn it into an absolute work of art, and I would submit this paper on bended knee to my professor and be and say, Be gentle, it is a masterpiece. And my professor would look it over flip a couple pages make some red marks hand it back and say "Eh, it's a c plus and i'd be like why my heart and soul is in that paper how is it getting a c plus and the professor would say you have too many commas and that would be the end of the conversation and i would have a c plus in that class and it would suck and i don't want that to happen to you Um, I realize that every professor has their weird grading peccadilloes, that some of them are really particular about commas and some of them are really particular about references. I myself am really particular about sentence structure. We'll talk about that later on in the semester. Um, But I want you to be prepared for that. I do not want you to get just like stomped on right out of the gate with the one assignment that mattered. I want you to have a chance to anticipate what I want, to sort of build your paper into something really good. And rather than sort of like do the whole drafting thing, which I know a lot of professors do, um, I give you a chance to write a paper and uh, we get to talk about it. Um, So what will happen is I will just grade all those papers, but anyone who wants can say, Professor, can you give me detailed feedback on this response paper? And I will. Um, I will give you painstaking detailed feedback. I will mark your paper up with so much red that you'll think that I hate it, and then I'll say something like, this was really good. Here are your problems. Um, It is not meant to be a dunk on you. I am not trying to you know, dunk on your writing style or anything like that. I am honestly trying to help you succeed, both in your other academic projects and in my class. Um, So it is entirely optional if you want detailed feedback, But I will totally, like, work with you if you want to improve your writing this semester. Um, It's a little difficult over the internet. It's way easier when I can just break out a red pen and just mark it up in class. Um, But I am willing to do that work. Like, I want everyone to turn in really good work. I want them to be prepared for classes to come. I want you to be able to at least know what a good paper looks like and how to do it. Um, So... Feel free to ask for that feedback, and I will totally work with you this semester. Um, that said, the response papers are also inflated as far as the grades are concerned. Like, nearly everybody gets either an A or B on the response papers, unless they really phone it in. Um, that's partially to offset the reading response or the reading quizzes, which I know are vicious. Um, it is also partially Because they're not meant to be threatening assignments. I want you to feel safe writing that. I want you to feel comfortable taking chances um, so you can actually get feedback. Um, And I don't want it to be the end of the world if you botch it for some reason. Um, Additionally, if you don't like your response paper grade, I will allow you to turn in additional response papers. Very few people ever take me up on it, again, the grades are pretty high as as a rule, Um, but if you want to turn in a third response paper unasked for, I will drop the lowest response paper grade and give you only the highest ones in case like there's been a radical change in the way you understand how to write papers over the course of the class. So again, this is all to your benefit, I hope. The two big assignments, the two big writing assignments that you have to contend with here are the analysis paper and the research paper. Um, The analysis paper is relatively short. It's only two to three pages. It specifically has to deal with our discussion of Plato. We are going to spend two whole weeks talking about eight pages of Plato. Like we're going to read four pages a week. It's a snail's pace, but as a result, I'm going to expect you to know that text inside and out. I want you to, like, dissect it, um, to understand exactly every move of the logical argument that Plato is having with, um, with between Socrates and Euthyphro, um, and then I want you to write this paper about it. Like, it's basically the only summary paper I ask any of my students to write, because I basically just want you to regurgitate what we discussed in class. I want you to show me that you understand the way the logical argument works, and um, And for two to three pages, you will do that. But obviously, we can't really talk about what's in those two to three pages until we've read Plato. So we will talk about this in much greater detail in a couple of weeks once we have finished Plato and you understand what's going on and what I expect. Um, So we'll come back to that. The other assignment, the research paper, is the big one. 30% of your final grade, you'll remember, because this is how philosophers, you know, do philosophy they write big long papers taking a position or another um, and basically argue their point which is what i want you to do Um, it is supposed to be four to five pages and you will answer one of the five questions i've listed on the syllabus as well as on the canvas page namely which attributes of god are critical to our understanding of who he is what are the limits of our knowledge can religious truths be defended rationally which is the most reliable revelation, reason a priori, or exist, or experience, and is the problem of evil a compelling disproof of God's existence? You pick one of those questions and you answer it. Um, note that each of those questions has two sides, sometimes more. Um, I expect you to pick a side, to make a controversial case for your argument. I want you to defend yourself and to object to people who would object to you. I want you to anticipate their arguments and defend yourself. In short, none of that. Everybody is right. It all depends on how you look at it. English paper nonsense. You're going to be a philosopher for this paper. You are going to say, this is right, this is wrong, this makes sense, this does not. And you're going to back it up. You're going to look at the people we've studied in class and you are also going to go online and find people talking about this now, if you can. And you're going to bring all these arguments together and weigh them one against the other. This... Is an involved process, and we will spend a lot of time. Like, I even have a video for you to watch on how exactly to write papers and, you know, how to do research and all that fun stuff. Um, so don't be too scared of it now. It is a very demanding assignment. I don't want to downplay that, but it is also manageable. It's only four to five pages, folks. Um, it's totally doable. Um, and what I want to see is good work. I want you to not fill it with fluff and nonsense, but actually present a cogent incisive logical argument um and again we'll talk about that more down the road the one thing i will warn you about though and you can see it on the syllabus on that next page i am going to insist on you using the chicago manual of style rather than mla or apa or any of the styles that you are probably more familiar with part of that is because i'm a monster and part of that is because chicago style is freaking gorgeous like i love it It is amazing. I would absolutely throw away MLA and APA for all assignments everywhere and just replace it with Chicago style because it is so freaking elegant and so awesome and so neat and formal, like it's amazing. I can't talk about how great Chicago style is enough. Um, And I realize it's probably panicking you right now. You've never used Chicago style. Your English teachers didn't teach you how to do Chicago style. That's fine, we will talk about it in here. Trust me, it is not as hard as it sounds, um, and it is really cool to look at when you're done. Um, But keep that in the back of your mind. The research paper is the only assignment where I'm requiring Chicago style, um, though I encourage you to use it for your others. If you wanna use the citation style for your response papers or your analysis paper, go for it. Um, And if you want feedback, I'll tell you whether you're doing it right or not. but it's good to get into the practice, you know, in a place where it doesn't actually matter. Um, so again, we will talk about this more. At the very least, keep in the back of your mind that I am going to expect you to do Chicago style at some point, so maybe go look it up on the Purdue site or whatever um, and see what that entails. Mostly it's just footnotes. And I know that footnotes are scary, but really they're they're not. Like, doing footnotes is not that hard. Lastly, we've got the final exam. Shocker, we're not going to talk about this much now because it's going to be months before we deal with the final exam. Um, The only thing to remark upon at this point is that it will come in two parts. It will be two radically different questions with radically different approaches and I will expect you to complete both parts in order to successfully complete the final exam. Um, Again, we'll talk about that more when we get closer to it. Lastly is attendance and participation. As I said, it's ten points that I just add at the end of the semester after like all the stuff is done. Um, five points depend on your attendance. Did you show up to enough conferences? Um, did you you know miss whole conferences and not explain why? Um, but the participation end. Basically, all I want you to do is you know participate. Ask a substantive question every class that you show up in, and you will get a perfect score. No problem. But even if you are not brave enough to, you know, participate in class in the Canvas conferences, that's fine. You can still get a perfectly decent grade on the attendance and participation score as long as I know what's going on. By participation, I don't just mean participation with the other students, but participation in the class in general. Like, did you email me if you needed to turn an assignment in late? Did you send me a question? Did you, you know, respond to an announcement? Did I know what was going on with your participation in the class at all times or was I just sitting there scratching my head wondering who you are because you're nothing more to me than just a name on an attendance roster Um, if I know what's going on if you're talking to me if you're you know wallflowering behind other more gregarious students that's totally fine so long as I know what's up Like, even if you want to send me an email saying, Professor, I don't feel terribly confident about speaking up in class. Uh, I don't want to, you know, subject myself to the scrutiny of my peers. Cool. Just send me that email. Tell me that you're a little nervous about it. Have a little back and forth with me. Um, We'll work something out, and you can still get a three or four out of five on that participation score. So don't panic, Um, you introverts out there. Um, I totally respect and admire you as a fellow introvert myself. Um, Lastly, there will be three extra credit assignments at various points throughout the semester. Um, Each of those extra credit assignments will offer you a bonus, like extra points to one of your assignments. Um, So the first one will give you bonus points, that analysis paper we talked about. Um, They will also, every time you complete one, you will automatically get a perfect score on a quiz, and I will drop an additional lowest quiz grade at the end of the semester. So it is always in your advantage to do them, um, and it is especially in your advantage if you start missing quizzes or bombing them for whatever reason. Um, You can always come back in this class, at least until the very, very end. The last page of the syllabus is the schedule and I honestly recommend that you like cut it out, stick it on your wall, whatever helps you remember everything that's going on. Um, But you'll notice that it is also just duplicated on the modules page in Canvas. Like beat for beat, point for point, reading for reading, and writing for writing assignment for assignment and date for date it is all there on the modules page so all you have to do is navigate to the modules page and it is a matter of just seconds to figure out what you're supposed to be doing in any given week. Um, It is all like I've tried to make it as foolproof as possible. Um, because I realize that you guys are already stressed out enough with everything that you have to do and I know that a lot of professors don't take that time and as a consequence you're just sort of left scratching your head what you're supposed to do at any given point. Um, If you don't know how to use Canvas get in touch with me as soon as humanly possible although how you're listening to this if you don't know how to access Canvas is kind of another question in and of itself. At any rate, if you do have problems, if you do have questions, talk to me about it. Um, I want to sort all this stuff out as quickly as possible so we can get on with the real work of doing philosophy. Um, In the meantime, for next week, our first reading assignment, quote, um, is to go on and watch a few YouTube videos. Um, There is a playlist called The Philosophy of Everything that I have included on the Wisecrack YouTube site. Um, You can choose any video from that list and watch it. They're all various, like, philosophy and popular culture videos, like Philosophy and the Joker, or Philosophy and Boss Baby, or Philosophy and, like near automata philosophy and just all sorts of things rick and morty is one of their favorites and mine as well um so pick any of the videos that appeals to you pick several if you want like they're all pretty short um and then just watch it like see what it has to say um see what it has to say about philosophy and the discipline that we are going to be practicing in here because, as I said at the beginning of the lecture, it is everywhere and it informs everything. Um, you can't throw a rock in any direction without hitting philosophy or be one step removed from philosophy. Um, so, watch one of th- a couple of those videos, come prepared to talk about it in our conference next Wednesday or w- what is that? Wednesday, the 27th, no, the 3rd, the 3rd of February, we will talk about the videos that you watched. Also, watch the two videos that I linked to from Wireless Philosophy, one on critical thinking and the one on formal and informal fallacies. That should give us a good primer as far as, like, how to make arguments and what to look for in arguments, then we'll talk about that more in the lecture. Um, And then read through the list of informal fallacies on the Texas State page, Um, These are common mistakes that people make in argumentation, and not even mistakes, people frequently intentionally use them to try and win arguments without actually presenting a logical case. Um, So be alert for those, because you'll find them a lot in day-to-day life, especially in our particularly charged political climate. Um... So do all that, watch the videos, read the informal fallacies list, come prepared to talk about the videos on this in February, and I hope you enjoy all of this and are ready to do some real philosophy in here. Till then, good luck, happy reading, and I look forward to seeing you soon.